Coming up on this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast, we sit down to talk with local artist Elijah Miller at be the influence underscore BMSR on Instagram. Check out his work. He specializes in illustration, character design, and he's working on his very own graphic novel. So stay tuned for more as we interview Elijah Miller. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Nerds! Nerds! <laughs> Will and I have returned... So once we came, <laughs> we are we are here. Uh, those of you who are watching on video later, we'll we'll see him already. But we were here with special guest Elijah Miller, who's a local artist here in the Piedmont Triad region of great state of North Carolina. And we'll be peppering him with questions about his art and uh, how he got into art and all that here in just a minute. But uh -huh. uh, but yeah, like. Uh, just a just a word about why we're doing Zoom after after all the studio recordings the last few weeks. Uh, some sickness has been running through my family, so we're we're stuck with Zoom again. Uh, as I don't want to get Will sick, and uh, or his wife. So <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of that time of year, and I got four kids, so it's just going through the house. So so yeah, that way you guys neither of you will get anything from me. <laughs> but this works well for recording too, so. Zoom's not too bad. Um, so anyway, uh, let's see. I guess we'll jump right into it. Elijah, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, oh yeah, no, no problem at all. I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so you and I met at the I believe it was the Southbound Craft Fair, correct? Uh, yeah, in Winston. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so it's one of the the many. There's an increasing, increasing number of craft fairs and arts and craft fairs here in Winston. And my wife had a booth at this one. And uh, she's an artist as well, though in a different oeuvre. Uh, she does watercolor and check her workout, by the way, Laura Morales Studio. Uh, but I was there to visit her with my kids and took a walk around. And I saw Elijah's booth and I noticed his art. And right away that said comic book artist to me, you know, just the kind of the art style, you know, that that caught my eye. So I came over and we started talking and eventually talked about you coming on the podcast. So that's how this happened. So oh, yeah. yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh yeah, no problem at all. And as our as our listeners know, uh, Mr. Boyer here is also a comic book artist. He's been uh, drawing comic books since he was, how old, like six or seven? Um. Well, I started off doing stick figures, uh, probably at those <laughs> ages, but um, I think I started doing my first comics at nine. Okay, so legit, like doing a strip and kind of playing around with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, how about you, Elijah? Like, um, well, maybe before I get into the art question, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? Are you from around here? Like, what's your story? Oh, yeah, well, um, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, my mom and dad, dad was from Jersey, mom's from Maryland. So they met down here at college. And I've been pretty much born and raised here all my life. Um, I only have one other sibling. That's my older brother. Um, but yeah, born and raised in Greensboro, grew up here, went to school here. Um, yeah, so this is pretty much home base for me right now. Yeah. Okay. And Will and I also, well, I didn't grow up around here, but uh, Will did. Will's been here pretty much his whole life. And I've been here yeah. since 2001. So mm -hmm. I've been here most of my life. <laughs> it's still a pretty long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was born here, but left left when I was two and then came back when I was 18 and been here ever since. So Winston, uh, Winston is home, as is, I mean, North Carolina. Well, cool. So Greensboro. Um, yeah. So did... Did either of your parents have a love for art? Like where where would you say your yeah. love for art began? Like mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, um, it's one of those things, it was just kind of, for lack of better words, I guess it was just something I was naturally drawn to. Um, neither of my parents, well, I, I say they're creative in their own ways. My, um, my father wasn't an artist by any means, but he's somebody that definitely has like a lot of charisma. And he's also somebody that's pretty good when it comes to dealing with people, organizing events, things of that nature. Um, my mom, on the other hand, um, she's a, she works in nursing, but, um, she is also for a while was a freelance writer. So she'd, um, she was like a ghost writer. She'd write articles for people online, um, and things of that nature. And I think between the two of them, I think my mom might have the edge on like the creative gene. Mm -hmm. um because me and her we shared and my brother too but like we share a lot of the same interests so like when i was younger and like we we're getting into stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh or anime and cartoons my mom a lot of the time was like watching those with us mm. because she kind of grew up watching um a lot of those things that ended up influencing us so like um b movies um old cartoons things like that um you know, type of stuff that I think my mom was the person who introduced me to like the boomerang channel growing up. Cause those were the oh, cartoons yeah. that like she watched. Um, and my father, even though he might not have necessarily understood all the stuff we like, he was definitely supportive in us being able to explore and enjoy these things, you know? So, um, I don't, I think the only show or only like thing my father wouldn't let me watch as a kid was like the Simpsons. <laughs> but you know a lot of the other stuff Yu-Gi-Oh and like um Dragon Ball Z Pokemon and all that Digimon um he was pretty cool about us like watching and interacting with that type of stuff well yeah. nice you, you and Will would have some some stuff in, I know you watched probably all of those right Will at different points oh yeah yeah definitely I also watched the Simpsons though so I've got an <laughs> advantage but <laughs> I'm kidding Taking, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm similar to you, Elijah. My my parents did not let me watch The Simpsons. I, I don't remember having a a real strong desire to watch it, but but yeah, that was one that was off limits. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Um, The Simpsons. When I was around maybe fifth grade, around that time, like later elementary, I was able to watch it. Like I used to tape all the episodes throughout the week when they came on. I think it was UPN at the time. Then the network like changed names like once or twice. Oh yeah. yeah. And then on Fox they were releasing new episodes. They used to record those because they had that animation domination block. And um mm -hmm. The Simpsons was the first TV show where I actually learned how to draw a character from the oh, artist who oh. drew that character. And that was a pretty big thing for me. Um I forgot the name of the artist, wish I could remember, but um at the end of a particular episode he shows you how to draw Bart's head by ah. using shapes and everything and breaks it down. And that was probably the only art tutorial I saw for like how to draw a character at that time. And in fifth grade, like I took that and ran with it. I drew Bart Simpson doing any and everything You're not that I could imagine. Drawing Bart Simpson all over Winston, are you? <laughs> oh, no. <nah. Okay. laughs> that would kidding. be sick, though. Nice. So that was... Like for me, it was Garfield. Like uh, I was a big fan of. Um, um, I was about to pick on you for Garfield. Were you? Yeah. Well, but I, I'm interested where this is going now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I actually dabbled a bit in. Um, that was the first character. Like it didn't really go anywhere for me. Um, <laughs> but I dabbled a bit in drawing some some panel comics because I, I got big into watching Garfield and Friends and then reading the Garfield comics. Uh, probably when I was like basically preteen, you know, so okay. similar, similar age. And, um, at the time I, I did a lot of it and then I just didn't go anywhere after like age 11, I think, but I obviously, actually, oh, go ahead. Will. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought you were done. I actually thought that your parents didn't let you read Garfield. I, that's what I was going to pick with you about, you know, the Simpsons, they won't even let you read Garfield. <laughs> I, I guess I was wrong. My mom wasn't a huge fan because he had a bad attitude all the time. She said, so, <laughs> which I guess Bart certainly qualifies as that. Too. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, well, cool. So, um, so you started drawing Bart. Now, at this time, were you were you reading comic books at all at that point, or was that your first intro into drawing or like wanting to draw? Was through animation instead. Well, I was definitely. Well, I'd definitely been drawing up until that point because I started drawing when I was in preschool. Mm-hmm. My first memory of drawing is after school in preschool on a whiteboard while I'm waiting for my dad to pick me up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been drawing since preschool, but um, as far as um, that goes, like the Bart Simpson thing, um, the first comics that I really started reading were... Um, and this might go back to maybe my mom's influence were uh, newspaper comics, like strips. Um, Curtis, Dagwood and Blondie, Brewster Rocket Space Guy, um, Over the Hedge. Um, there was a few more too. Um, trying to think of that one that had like the two birds. Um, there was Zits, that was pretty cool. Um, oh yeah. So it was a few of them, that was, that was probably my first that was probably when, like, at home, you know, reading comics, that was probably my first influence. And then when my older brother was in middle school, um, he started bringing home graphic novels from the library. And that's where I was introduced to manga mm-hmm. and um, American graphic novels. So I remember he would bring home things like um, Rave Master was the first one I remember. Um, Rave Master... Because that one actually did have an anime. Um, that one had an anime that we watched later on. So it was cool. I got to see the illustrated story, then the animated version of it when that came out. And then as far as graphic novels, he started bringing home the Bone Books by Jeff Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that became a real big influence on me. And... I actually think some of the flagship characters that I draw were influenced by the design from the Bone characters um, because they're very simple and very recognizable. And I think the Mop characters I do, when I look back, they really follow that template pretty, where it's like the whole form is simple. Um, Maybe like only four different shapes really make up the character. Um, four or five and then they have like a distinct feature that kind of sets them apart um but yeah and then the simpsons because i've all i was always watching um i was always watching um cartoons and stuff um and then i'm about to have to plug my phone up here in a second um but yeah i was always watching cartoons so animation was always an influence but it wasn't until that bart simpson um that excerpt from the simpsons that was the first time i actually saw like the artist break down how he built the character you know when i was younger there may have been like like chuck jones and the looney tunes they may have shown you like a few behind the scene things but the bart simpson was like the first time it's like all right he's gonna sit down and draw it for you Mm -hmm. um yeah but like newspaper comics then advancing to graphic novels and manga and then down the line, I started reading some more American comics, like um, like the trade paperbacks, but not those were probably the least of my comic book consumption, because I already watched a lot of like DC and Marvel animations growing up, so I already had a familiarity with the characters, so I didn't necessarily they weren't really the most sought out for me as far as comic books, but you know stuff like anime or like Bone stuff that like I'd never seen anywhere else. Mm-hmm. was the stuff that kind of drew me in more yeah yeah and will i think i've heard you talk about bone and right. several times like i think yeah. don't you you have some of them as well i think don't you yeah i've got the complete black and white collection um but yeah uh i have well that's cool so so that was terms of artistic style that was an an early inspiration for you like you said the the bone or one that you feel like some of it was subconscious almost where that kind of stuck with you just something about that style resonated with you yeah because it's um because it's something about those characters that just works um 
And like I say, it's the simplicity of them. There's not too many bells and whistles. Um, they almost look they almost look exactly the same aside from like their heights and the clothing they wear. But each one of them was just very iconic. You know, the personalities of them. Um, you know, like um, Smiley Bone was like always happy, go lucky. Um, I'm trying to remember the other two's name. Um, I think it was Phone Bone because it was the one who had the T-shirt with the star on it. He was always like. It was kind of like Ed and Eddie almost. Um, you know, somebody's one of them's happy go lucky, one's trying to pull the scams, one's like more concerned about like, you know, the bigger picture of what's going on. But like, yeah, um, you know, just simple characters and just seeing them drawn in black and white, being able to appreciate like the line work and stuff like that. Um but yeah, like um just simple characters with such distinct and strong features. That definitely resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at uh looking at some bone images right now. So I I'm familiar with it, but I'd not read too much of it myself. Uh one of those many things I need to get caught up on. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I guess since you talked about that being an influence for your art, we'll take a moment here and hopefully our, our sound I've had some issues in the past with trying to share screens while recording on Zoom. So hopefully our audio comes through all right. So we won't do it for too long just in case we have some issues. Um, but for um, in particular, for the those that are watching this on video later, I wanted to show some of your art. So let me share screen here. Oh, yeah. Actually, let me plug up my phone real quick. Oh, yeah, man. While I'm doing that, you go ahead. Yeah. I want your battery dying on us. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Oh, no, that would be tragic. Yeah, it would be. All right. There we go. Okay. All right, here we go. So, this is ElijahMillerArt.com. And, uh, so where does the, I'm, I'm curious, because I know this is your Instagram handle, the Be The Influence, BMSR. Uh, mm -hmm. Where does that come from? I was curious. Like the All right, so um, Be The Influence, BMSR, what that comes from is when I was in high school, I was still kind of settling on a direction I wanted to go creatively because at that point I knew, I knew I wanted to be an artist I knew I wanted to um, do something creative. And at the time, the big thing that I was into was streetwear and fashion. Oh, so cool. um, there's a lot of brands I was looking at, like um, LRG, Crooks and Castles, Black Scale, um, 10 Deep, um, Diamond Supply, um, quite a few of them. Um, some are around still, some aren't. Um, but at the time, I thought, the path that I saw for me was going to be, um, you know, being like a streetwear designer and starting a brand and, um, you know, building that. So I was doing a lot of research. I was on a lot of blogs. I was researching a lot of brands and their origins and how they sustain longevity. And I felt like I just needed a name that would stand for something. Or at the very least, you know, represent something that people could stand for outside of just like a cool looking T-shirt or a jacket. So um, I'd have to say it was inspired by um, my favorite clothing brand, LRG, Lifted Research Group, because it was one of the first clothing brands I saw where not only did it have really good designs, but um, they also had messages intertwined with their designs that were very positive and consistent and uplifting. Um, you know, stuff like adopt children, not styles, um, things like that. And it was very cohesive to me. It was genuine. So I wanted to be able to create a brand that was genuine and reflected messages that I believed in and not just like empty statements or slogans. So be the influence stands for it really stands for being self-motivated 
And when I was at high school, that's a time where a lot of people are impressionable. A lot of people are following trends. A lot of people are doing things to express themselves. But, you know, a lot of times I'd step back and observe my peers. And I'm like, you know, are you wearing that? Are you doing that? Are you talking like that? Because that's really what you want to do or because you're trying to go with the grain mm -hmm. and be the influences being self-motivated to express yourself in ways that are genuine um, to you and not just falling in line with the pack, um, not just falling in line with the trends. So a lot of it is, is about embodying your motivation to do the things you want to do and not just blindly following the leader. Um, and the BMSR portion stands for breaking mentality, shaping reality. And that was designed to be like the slogan of the brand. Um, and what that speaks to as an extension of embodying your motive, as an extension of embodying your motivation to pursue your goals and your interests, um, breaking mentality, shaping reality speaks to having to take risks and having to go against the grain or the status quo in order to create or manifest something that is special, you know, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's something that resonated with me because there's a lot of things. And I think it's funny, you know, even when you look at art history, there's a lot of artists and a lot of art movements that before they became recognized the way they are today, people hated them. Like, I remember when I learned about Impressionists, it was like people hated Impressionist style painting because that's not how anyone painted. So you have this preconceived notion of how something's supposed to be done. And then for the people who pioneered that style, for them to make it what we know it as today, they had to basically push past that status quo, which is the breaking mentality part. And then by creating things in the way they wanted to, um, you know, they shaped the reality. You know, this person says, don't paint like this, don't do that. I sat down and painted the way I wanted to, not because of what they were saying, but because of what I was saying, you know, thinking, which is like the be the influence part. And then the end product, you have something you created in accordance with what you wanted to do. And that's the shape and reality part, because now the thing is tangible. And that's, um, that's pretty much where that came from. So I hope I explained that in the best way possible to where it makes sense. But um, yeah, essentially embodying your motivation to pursue the things you want, um, breaking through preconceived notions or stereotypes that may um, prohibit you from expressing things the way you want mm -hmm. and then shaping the reality around you by creating and sharing the things you want to make. So that's, um, that's pretty much like where the Be the Influence BMSR is about and where it comes from. I like that. Cool. Do, you, uh, do you still have dreams of maybe one day doing your own clothing, clothing brand with that? Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's something I actually want to push more this year um, is just branding be the influence more. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of went with like just Elijah Miller art or Elijah Miller illustration because the way I look about look at it now as opposed to back then, back then I saw myself as like a brand designer, but I didn't look at myself as the artist. So now that I have immersed myself in being a creative for so long, I'm able to look at the idea of doing that brand as something that can be a part of the foundation I'm building. Um, so it's something I definitely want to push more this year is putting be the influence in front of people more and starting to get that to resonate. Yeah, so that's definitely, um, definitely want to start getting that on clothing this year now. Love your website here, by the way. I was just looking at um, those on the video. We'll be able to see this, but uh, for those of that are listening, uh, I have the about page. He has a meet the artist section, why I create, and uh, 
very well designed. Like, and then you oh, talk yeah. about what you just spoke about, be the influence, BMSR. Yeah. So that's really cool, man. People get to to see what you're about. And um, yeah. yeah, I like that you have uh, your art kind of alongside of that as well there. Yeah, shout out to Squarespace. They oh yeah. Help me out. Oh, it looks great. Yeah. Oh, so you. uh I'm not sure if this is the right time to do it or not, but I wanted to ask you about this zipper face character. Oh yeah. Uh Richard tells me that's the character that's gonna start in your graphic novel. Yes. Um so the zipper face characters are called mops. And essentially, the mops are beings that have the ability to manifest using creative energy. They have the ability to manifest ideas and thoughts into tangible forms. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the graphic novel is going to basically follow um, the, the misadventures that take place in their world and... I want to focus on, I want to focus mainly on my first character, who's that purple guy you've seen in a few of the images. Um, his name is Nurk. Okay. And he's the, um, he's the first um, mop I fleshed out as an original character beyond just the drafting phase that kind of had his own personality and, um, kind of led the charge for the rest of the characters that I create afterwards. But yeah, he was, um, he was the first one. Yeah. Was, and yeah. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like that, but kind of like what I was saying before, like how like the design for them for the most part is actually pretty simple. And then the round head, the zipper face and the different shape ears kind of are the things that kind of, I think stick with people like the buggy eyes Oh yeah, and honestly, the <laughs> when the mouth opens on this one, that is creepy. I will have to say, I'll give you some nightmares if we have too much. <laughs> Just something about a lot of teeth that that bothers me. I don't know. I don't know if it's a shark <laughs> thing or, or what. Like, but especially seeing the mouth open sideways like that too. Or the is it a mouth? Is it even the mouth? Is that is that the right term for it in that world? Or oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So is will this be your first uh comic book that you've created or have you created more before this graphic novels or comics? I've done I haven't done too much um before this as far as graphic novels. Um like I've done like a page or a strip here and there, but this would probably be the first one where I really flesh out a story about a character and kind of um, follow that to completion um, beyond just like maybe one page. Um, so this really is going to be like my first real graphic novel. And it's something that took me a while because I think when you say you want to draw comics, it sounds cool at first. And then you think about the work that goes into it. You think about the things you have to learn how to draw not just the things you like to draw and then the story. And um, yeah, so it, it kind of, um, it was an intimidating idea for a while. And I think that's because at the time I didn't really have a realistic, I had my expectations, but I don't think I was realistic about how to reach those. Or I don't think I was really realistic about um, how to make that project more manageable. I felt like it had to be like, you know, the 50 pages, all color, cover, everything. So it was intimidating up until maybe, I wanna say maybe a year or two ago. Um, Cause I've always done like storyboards. I've always drafted stories and I would always kind of get to a point where I didn't feel comfortable with what I did. And I felt like I have to do it over. Like this board is not going to work. You know, this script isn't going to work or maybe this is a better idea. So I definitely, um, 
I definitely took a lot of time just, you know, I guess overthinking and not necessarily um, trying to be practical about it. And it wasn't until recently I was watching a YouTube channel that I like called Character Design Forge. And there was also um, Jake Parker, um, illustrator, who also has a YouTube channel. They both covered a similar topic. And that was um, essentially what's called like the minimum viable project. So in respectively in both their channels and their videos, they talked about the minimal parameters you can create for a project you want to do so that you can execute it um, with quality, but not be overwhelmed. And, you know, like something I've, I can't remember which video or which channel, but, um, you know, they're like, you know, you don't have to draw one piece for your first comic. Like, you know, the first thing you do doesn't have to be like the, the greatest thing ever. So since then, I started thinking more rationally about how I could create a story that's fun, well executed and stress free for me. And that's when I decided that I would, um, you know, instead of trying to do like a 30, 40, 50 page thing, I say, you know what, how about we do four pages, five pages, um, simple story, um, limited cast of characters and, you know, just run it straight through to the end, open, close, there it is. And that's what, how I've decided I'm going to approach the first one. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, which I'm actually, I want to get that done before the Hickory Comic Con, which is actually on the 18th, I think. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I decided that I would do a short story, um, four to five pages with a cover, and I have the idea laid out. Um, and it's just something that at this point I just have to, you know, get back to the table and just start drawing. But it's going to be an adventure story because the main character, Nurk, he, his occupation is adventurer. So, um, nice. you know, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sometimes he has to recover things for people. Sometimes he has to explore things for people. Um, and it's going to be a story about him searching for something and, that seems simple and he kind of bites off a little more than he can chew. So it's going to be about how he squeezes out of that jam to get the job done. And I feel good because I have the storyboards done for it. Um, and I feel a lot more confident about how the story is going to flow, um, how I could draw it. And I don't know. It's like, I feel like even though it took a while for me to get to the point where I had the right mentality to manage the project, I feel like I feel more, um, I feel more excited than ever about it. Hmm. Yeah. That's great, man. I, I like the idea of, like you said, of, of doing the more of a bite-sized chunk. Cause yeah, they, they get you to build some confidence, right? You know, creatively you're like, Hey, also, I just, I got it done. <laughs> right. You know, instead of, like you said, had this mountain, like jumping straight to a graphic novel, you know, like however long it is, 50 page or whatever. Um, Cause even, even I know many of, um, at least the ones that I read, like I read a lot of the, I don't know if, is trade paperback the right term? Will it, I'm not a comic book yeah. expert. Will is definitely the expert, but like the DC and Marvel graphic novels, um, that mm -hmm. was kind of my introduction into, graphic novel world and i know they start out as issues you know so it's like what you know 10 12 pages whatnot yeah you know at a time and then eventually you i'm assuming you'll probably compile them at some point is that kind of what you're thinking that's the plan um because i could do multiple stories that focus on multiple characters within the universe so it could kind of round out like how people see the characters how their personalities are um, it kind of gives, I think it could give people a broader perspective of how this world works. And then I could compile those into a, um, what we call it, a, um, like a volume or an anthology of sorts. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 
I could wrap that up and give it to people. So if you miss the other ones, everything's right here. But yeah, that's pretty much how I plan to do it because I have um, I have another um, mob character, um, a character named Chauncey, who's a bounty hunter. And there's ideas I want to do with him. Mm -hmm. um, and he was one of the first characters on my website, the one that was um, sitting on top of the dinosaur with the cape. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Um, which um, one of my friends actually came up with the name. That was a, a thing where I drew the character that I let my homie color it. Mm -hmm. And then um, I asked him to ask them to name it. So that's where Chauncey came from. So I definitely um, want to do some stories with that character. Cause I feel like he could kind of show people a different side of that world that you might not see if you're following Nurk around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So but I definitely plan to do a story with Nurk first and then hopefully Chauncey will be next up. And then I actually do have a, th a third story in mind that I also have storyboards for, but it, as I started doing the boards, it's like the story went and went. And then I realized this story isn't meant to be a short story. So I kind of put that one on the back burner to focus on the more bite-sized ones I want to do with these, um, with my other characters and that was another thing that kind of i don't want to say it slowed me down but when i realized that particular story wasn't going to be suited to this format i'm doing i decided to put that on the back burner so um yeah definitely going to start with like the shorter stuff like nerd adventure story and then maybe do some stuff with um the chauncey character and then maybe i could cycle back to um because the other story I had in mind was actually an origin story. So that one's more about where they come from and how things are the way they are. So that one definitely has needs a lot more fleshing out than just a couple pages. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, all these ideas spinning in my head. And sometimes it's like I'm just trying to hold on to everything. And then, <laughs> you know, sometimes I realize, all right, you got to let this one go for now. You got to let that one go for now. Let's just focus on this and get to the goal. So that's uh, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Just focus on one, get to the goal. And I took like two weeks off of work for my birthday. So I could like, you know, do fun stuff, but focus on the work I want to do. So in that time, I definitely plan to um, pull the storyboards out and hammer out that story because it's just been like, you know, itching at me for so long now nice. yeah well guys keep keep an eye out for that like follow follow elijah obviously you have his website elijahmillerart.com and then on instagram let me make sure i get this correct here is it at be the influence you can probably spout it off oh yeah um at be the influence underscore bmsr there we go and is that yeah. where you're most active social media wise? Yeah, um, most active there. Um, and I, Facebook sometimes I'm trying to try and get back into that because I realize there's still some engagement there. Um, and then just started messing around with Twitter last year, and that's actually been more fun than I thought. I have to have to give that platform more credit. Um, but definitely most active on Instagram, I'd say trying to get better about regularly updating. I think I just posted, um, I think I just posted like a drawing video or a video of me painting like the other day. Nice. Um, yeah, Unfortunately, I'm trying to get better at feeding content. Elijah, do you mind uh, coming back with us for just a minute here to finish up? Uh, we're up, up at our 40 minute limit here, but, yeah. uh, we're going to restart and just do a, kind of a little closing section there and uh, say our goodbyes. If that's hey, nerds, Richard here, asking you to consider supporting this podcast. If you go to our website, anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, right there on the top of the page is a support button. Click on that. And then you can select the level at which you would like to support us. You can do 99 cents a month, 
$4.99 a month or even $9.99 a month. And as I've said before, if you agree to do $9.99 a month, Will will come to your house and give you a hug and a kiss. No, not really. Just kidding. <laughs> but you will definitely receive our gratitude. So take a minute today to go on there and let us know that you love us because, you know, we're desperate for that. So just let us know. <laughs> Thanks, nerds. Now back to our regular schedule program. Well, uh, okay, guys, we're we're back here. Uh, we were kind of getting on a roll there, so decided to go blow past the forty-minute mark here. We're going to talk for at least a ten or fifteen minutes more with Elijah here. Uh, I believe Will had a few questions for him before we part ways. Will? Yeah, we didn't have a lot of time left. Uh, Elijah, did you want to talk about maybe whether or not you had a, a college art education or maybe uh, if you're going to self-publish or not, or maybe you'd like to talk about uh, the tools and process that you uh, you use. Those uh -huh. are all things I was interested in anyway. Oh, like the um the tools and process? Um yeah, for sure. Um I think that might kind of tie into the art education too. Um because uh when I still thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, I went to um be an art student at North Carolina AT State University and that's where things broadened out for me. So like I started um, when I was there, I started like a lot of acrylic painting, a lot of painting on canvas, um, found objects. And um, from there, I had transitioned. I think by the second semester, I had started pushing into illustration. And um, pen and ink was always a go-to for me. Um, pen and ink or brush and ink. Um love inking um a lot and that's still um one of my main tools to this day um if i could get a jar of india ink um speedball makes great india ink i love theirs um i think um dr ph martin's makes a good one too but india ink and a good brush or pen i can do that all day um watercolors are big for me um yeah because, i saw that yeah just to, just to chime in i saw that on your instagram you had a time lapse video doing watercolor i was like oh that's pretty cool oh yeah um watercolors were a big one for me because um when i decided that i really didn't want to be like a painter painter like that um which part of it came from having a painting class with a professor I didn't like. So that just kind of deterred <laughs> me from it. Um, but yeah, um, watercolor, because like a lot of my friends at that time that I was making art with, like in school, they, a lot of people had like go-to color mediums, like color pencils, acrylic paint, um, markers, whatever. So watercolor was the thing I found that, um, just seemed to work for me because it goes well with pen and ink. It um pretty good for illustration. And for some reason, everybody, a lot of people hate it because it's hard to control, but that's kind of what I like about it. The medium has a level of agency. There's times where it's going to do things it wants to do and you kind of learn to man manipulate letting it do its thing um, to your advantage. So I'm like, yeah, pen and ink, watercolor, and right now I kind of go between two different watercolors because I really like the, um, I really like like the pans right now, um, and the trays. I might, I might have one around me, maybe not, but um, as I really need to clean the studio, but yeah, um, like I use Windsor Newton watercolors. And I also use Marie's watercolors. And those are like the ones I go back and forth with right now. Um, and then I use Turner's watercolors sometimes. But 
and I guess it's like the third medium, I use their gouache a lot more. So I've been getting really into painting with gouache now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I mean, it's just more opaque, more opaque watercolor. Um, and it's really good for um, giving like this really nice saturated effect. Because, um, like, you know, you could get real painterly and blend with it. But then you can also lay down like just really nice, opaque, flat colors, um, which is something I like to do with line work. Um, so I actually have something right here I could show you that I finished recently. Um, it's a new character that I had um, came up with. Nice. Cool. I was I at a that. oh yeah, I was at a tabling event, um, and it was kind of slow. So the people I was around, I said, you know what, like, um, let's do a drawing challenge. So I gave everybody, everybody wrote down two animals. Mm -hmm. Then we switched them with each other and you oh, had to yeah. draw a combination of the animals. So I got um, a bird and a rabbit, which was kind of funny. <laughs> um, and I think, um, yeah, so this is the sketch from that day. Just pen and ink. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, so that, and then that one became the color version. And that's just Turner's gouache and, um, what is it, um, Speedball India ink with a brush. Um, and yeah, so a lot of my main mediums are, gonna, are like um, pen and ink, watercolor, gouache and then i love to mix in a lot of things because i'm a real big uh, mixed media person mm -hmm. and that's something i really dabbled in when i was in school um once i started getting a foothold with the watercolor um i started throwing in color pencils paint markers um uh, acrylic inks um different india inks spray paint um and things like that that um, just kind of help add a little bit more to the work, you know, whether it's texture, or, um, you know, just creating more um, dynamic color palettes. I really, um, like, I really love throwing, like, everything, um, everything but the kitchen sink at, like, a piece. Um, and I think the one behind me, if I can actually is a good example of that because I did this piece here for my senior show Nice. when I was exiting oh. school and um, it's a self-portrait um, let me see maybe I have to turn my camera around it won't doesn't look like it'll let me but yeah um, probably not mid zoom I don't think it will well oh, there we go. what do you know yeah so um, okay at the time I made the piece, I called it Internal Damnation, mm. but now I just call it Festering. Uh. And it's um, self-portrait. It's um, India ink, watercolors, um, a lot of pen and ink, a lot of um, alcohol markers in there. And it's um, a self-portrait that I think reflected the place I was in at that time. Um, you know, cause it was at the end of college. I'm really trying to solidify my plans of what I want to do. Um, I'm still dealing with expectations of things people want from me, like parents, professors, um, you know, relationships and things like that. Um, you know, but this was a piece where I felt like I was really able to like really let loose with the mixed media, um, and yeah, like, and just kind of show the range of like what I could do when I have, you know, everything I want at my fingertips. So, um, yeah, so it's just me, calm, cool, collected, and then the madness that festers within. Um, like these little maggot guys right there, those were fun. <laughs> I, I must say, I'm not a big fan of maggots. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially when they're pink. Oh, was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah um, no, I like that. It's a an exploration of, of an internal state, but very much in a, in a way that 
I think would evoke feelings in the viewer. I mean, I'm sure that's what you're going for. It's like communication of your your internal state in a way that would also resonate, I think, with other people. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, it's like, oh yeah, man, I've I've had days like that or months or seasons or you know. Oh yeah. It's um it was a piece that piece has actually only been shown twice. Um that senior exhibition and then last year at a um there's a traveling art show called Pancakes and Booze. Um <laughs> yeah, um really and they, I mean they really got it. Pancakes, beer, they got it. Hey. Um yeah, and we're, they I, we're gonna sign up. <laughs> oh yeah, they um well they I don't know, they may come back to North Carolina this year. So they went to Raleigh like twice last year. Oh yeah, Raleigh's Raleigh has a big have you ever been a part of the what is it, art explosion that they have in Raleigh? They like cordon off like I don't know, several long streets downtown. It's a big deal. Like my wife is working her way up to making it to that one. I think it's like I don't know what it runs now, but probably three or four hundred dollars to rent like a spot for your booth, that kind of thing. Mm. So it's a little more pricey than some of the ones around here. Oh yeah. Normally those are the ones that bring the bigger crowds though, when they're charging oh, yeah. that much for a space. Yeah, um, a lot of foot traffic. It's like two or three days long too, I think. And uh, oh. but yeah, like uh anyway, but yeah, that made me think of that when you mentioned Raleigh. Oh yeah. Um but that was the second place I showed that piece. And I probably talked about that piece more than anything else I had that night. Um, it was probably the most I'd ever talked about it. Um, even from the time I first made it. And I just thought that was, it was just, um, cause the thing that's interesting is like, as an artist, there's times where you're so close to your work, you can't really, maybe you're a little, alienated from how it can still resonate with people so a lot of the people that were close to me were telling me you know you don't need to focus on making new work you don't need to focus on making new work like show people what you have you know if they haven't seen it it's still new and for that to be a piece I made like 2017 and then I show it in like 2022 and you know it's the most talked about thing I have on the wall. It was just kind of a testament to, you know, believing in, you know, not just what I can do, but what I have done, you know, like if the work's good, it'll hold up. And I think that night kind of taught me that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, big mixed media, um, piece, <laughs> big mixed media, big mixed media piece. Um, and also, like, I've been working on wood panels a lot now. Oh, okay, yeah. Doing paintings. Um, and I like these because you could really lay on with, like, mixed mm -hmm. media and, you know, it's not going to warp or buckle or anything. Um, so I got spray paint, paint markers, and um, nice. still using that kind of flat 2D color style with the mm -hmm. line work. Um, and just, yeah, I like it. Um, the, the sheen there, is that from spray paint? Like the where the sheen comes in, like actually, sort of um, like the reflective surface there on the on the sides. That's actually um, there's this brand called Molito that makes um, art products and paint markers. Um, it's like a graffiti supply company, uh -huh. but they make this marker called a liquid chrome marker, and as the name oh. implies, the ink is um like it's it, it's really reflective like you know you could it kind of it really has that mirror effect nice um way way crazier than like your average silver paint marker yeah i don't think i'd ever seen uh, i was surprised to to learn as a marker like yeah, i don't think i'd ever seen anything that reflective that's pretty cool oh yeah it, it's, it's kind of expensive they they could get kind of pricey but i mean i had to get one because i'm like i i just <laughs> need this yep yep but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, mixed media. Um, that was um something that that influence really did come from my time in art school, though, when I just had time to explore different supplies and um look at different artists. And um, there's an artist named Dave Cho, um, a painter, illustrator, um, adventurer, podcaster. That dude does everything now. Um, 
but there's a video where he does a drawing and he kind of breaks down his process and um you know not the most in depth but you know he kind of just talks about generally what he's doing and how he's laying stuff down and it may be like I don't even think the video is more than three or five minutes and I took that and just kind of ran with it like you know just that basic process and I'm you know I just started playing with supplies like acrylic paint oil paint watercolors whatever just figuring out how to mix these multiple things together and make them work and a lot of trial and error but um I think that definitely kind of helped shape the work I do now in terms of aesthetic and process. Um, if it's not like a one-two combination with like the ink and the watercolor, then, you know, I'm probably inviting spray paint, paint markers and everyone else to the party. <laughs> and I think that kind of helps build like my aesthetic. Yeah. Nice. Well, Will, do you have any uh, more questions for Elijah before we wrap up here? Well, um, it's, uh, you're hoping to get your first uh, story done by HickoryCon. Uh, were you thinking about self-publishing, or what, what were did you have a plan yet about how you're going to get the book printed? Um, I'm going to be honest. Probably self-publishing. I haven't done like the most research yet, but um. In my head, I feel like that's just what makes the most sense. Yeah. And a lot of the people in comics that I really look up to normally go the self-published or the independent route. Um, I'm a big fan of Image, um, especially Todd McFarlane. Oh, and yeah. I spent, yeah, I spent a lot of time, you know, looking at him and how they did that. And, um. Yeah, I I think I would definitely like to go like the self-published route and at least try that out. Because um, I haven't done too much research, honestly, as far as like um, actually like working with a publisher. Um, so I think I'd probably feel more comfortable um, going the self-published route and exploring that. And then if it makes sense to publish with someone else, maybe I'll do that later, but... Right now, I'm still kind of in the mind of like, if I can do it myself, I'd rather do it and see what I could learn from it. Yeah, so definitely self-publish on um, the stories I want to put out. I'll definitely give you more yeah. creative control. <laughs> yeah. For sure. That, that is always, I mean, whether it's, you know, writing music or writing stories or whatever the medium, like the more hands you have in the pot, the more people that need to get paid, <laughs> right. the more input or attempts at control there will be. Um, no, that's just part of the course, I guess. But that made me think of, um, cause Will, like, I think, and you guys can both correct me if I'm wrong. Like, isn't Jeff Miller similar where and I think of Stan Sakai as well. Do they, they do most of their own, they do both the story, story writing and the art, correct? Like, they do the whole thing or do they have some people that do some some lettering for them or like yeah, uh, Jeff Miller. did you mean Jeff Smith? Sorry, did I get it wrong? Jeff Smith, <laughs> uh, the bone. Yeah. I'm I believe displaying, so, yeah. displaying my ignorance here. <laughs> That's all right. I'm I'm more of a my, my bailiwick as far as our uh nerdy pop culture is uh sci fi. I'm, I'm more of a sci fi nerd. Um but uh, I'm trying you. trying to to learn as much as I can about the these other realms as well. <laughs> Well, Stan but, Sakai definitely does everything himself except color. He has colored some special uh, editions, but normally uh, coloring is done digitally by somebody else. I'm not sure about Jeff Smith's process. Yeah, it just made me think, like, have they been able to find that balance of like being published but still having a modicum of like maybe more control than say somebody who's working for Marvel, DC or dark horse might have. Yeah. I think yeah. they've proven themselves mm -hmm. to a point where editors are like, you know what? Do whatever, because we trust you. I actually heard Stan Sakai say that on camera before. Um, I think it was an interview for might've been sci-fi sci wire. Cool. I think on YouTube and he's drawing 
Usagi Yojimbo, but um, I remember because when I heard him say that, I thought it was like the coolest shit ever. He was like, me and my publishers have this deal where I do whatever I want and they don't tell me anything. And I was like, that's an OG right there. Like, <laughs> and I believed him when he said, I'm like, yeah, they don't tell that man anything. oh yeah <laughs> nice That was just like the coolest thing I heard like a, a comic book artist or creator say like, look, I do what I want. They don't tell me anything. That's it. so are you are you a usagi fan as well Um, I've dabbled a little bit. I haven't um I haven't jumped deep into the stories, but I did learn about Stan Sakai when I was um in school. So I've definitely been exposed to um a lot of his work. Um I knew a dude back then who was definitely like a, a huge fan of him. Yeah, Will Um Will would be one. He's got the full collection and I forget, have you met Stan? You've met Stan too, I think, haven't you, Will? Yeah, back in twenty nineteen he was in Charlotte. At the what, Heroes Con? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're eventually gonna do a, an episode dedicated to Yusagi and Jimbo because that's one of Will's favorites. So Oh. so yeah, like Should be fine. Well, well, guys, it's getting late. We should probably wrap it up so we can be responsible adults and go to bed. yeah, I just got some time <laughs> to work. <laughs> um, I gotta get up and either either get my daughter ready for school or take her to school and or both tomorrow. So, um, Elijah, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and Thank joining you. us. And uh, like we were talking about in the kind of in the break in between segments here, uh, we'll have to have you back on uh, a little further in the year and, and see how you're doing with. Uh, self-publishing and the you know the uh the segments of the anthology as it were Oh, and yeah, uh for sure. but yeah Oh, all yeah. right Um, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. absolutely i'm glad we i'm glad we met and uh and got in touch it was cool and um yeah looking forward to it and i just really enjoyed the conversation um i have to get my wife to listen to this episode too she uh she's a big watercolor artist so she'll especially Uh, you talking about your procedures and the different mediums that you use, like uh, she'll resonate with a lot of that. Um, yeah, I'm going to get her on here one of these days too. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. All right. Well, thanks so much nerds Yeah. <laughs> oh. until Oh, no problem. next time. Oh yeah, <laughs> see y'all later. live. See you later. I'll do the sci-fi version. Live long and prosper. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> All right. you. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, nerds. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of our podcast. And a special thank you to artist Elijah Miller for joining us this week and talking about his work and his process. We really enjoyed it. As we said in the course of the interview, to check out his work, you can go to his Instagram page. That's at be the influence underscore BMSR. You can also check out his website. It's very well done. I highly recommend you take a look at it. It's ElijahMillerArt.com. You can purchase some of his work there. And also, he takes commissions, guys. So, hey, hit him up. I'm sure he's looking for some work. So let him know. Anyway, uh, if you want to message us... You can go to our anchor profile. It's anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd. Right there on the front page, you will see two buttons. One says message. You can leave us a voice message there and we will get it in the anchor app and we can easily include it in next week's episode. We would greatly appreciate your feedback, even if you're pissed. <laughs> Let us know what you think. You know, as long as you don't use completely vulgar profanity we will probably include it in next week's episode so hey yeah hit us up you can also find us on instagram of course at irreverent underscore nerds uh, we post quite a bit on there at least once a week typically two or three times a week you'll see us on there promoting our upcoming podcast episodes and every now and then we'll drop a funny meme but typically it's it's all related to the podcast and You can follow us there. We'd really appreciate it. You can also DM us there if you want to tell us something more extensive, uh, comment on our posts, any of that good stuff. We'd appreciate it. We also have an, uh, excuse me, I already talked about the Instagram. We have a YouTube channel. Just look up Irreverent Nerds. You'll find us. Uh, we should be the only channel with that title, as far as I know. Uh, we are on Facebook as well. Just the Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page there. So give us a, a like 
and a follow there. We'd greatly appreciate it. And of course, wherever you listen to us in podcast land, please follow or subscribe. We really appreciate it. And, and it really does help. And, and leave us comments. Like when you go to Spotify, like we have polls up on our episodes. We have space for comments. You can let us know what you thought. We'd really appreciate your feedback. Oh, yeah. Uh, lest I forget, we'd also appreciate your financial support. It doesn't cost a lot to produce this podcast, but it does cost a little bit. So we, we would appreciate some help with that. That would that would really be cool. And more than anything, it would just let us know that you value the work that we do week in and week out. Uh, once again, back in our Anchor profile, anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, right there next to the message button is a button that says support. You can do that for as little as 99 cents a month. You can also do $4.99 a month and $9.99 a month. And of course, as we've said many times, if you do $9.99, we'll come and we'll find you and we'll hug you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not unless you really want it. No. Anyway, uh, you would have our gratitude, of course. And, and eventually, eventually, we're going we're gonna to get some other cool things coming up with the supporters, like, you know, prizes and, and raffles. We hope to get that up eventually and running. And we may eventually, th- this isn't definite, we may eventually go to a subscriber format where we would offer exclusive content for subscribers only. But that's still a work in progress. But, you know, keep an ear out for that. You never know when it might come. So... Nerds, uh, next week, we are going to be reviewing the Ant-Man and the Wasp film, Quantum Mania. So, check out that. We are, of course, going to do our instant review after the film. And uh, we might do a deep dive as well. Uh, not sure about that, but we'll definitely get you an, an inst- our instant review after seeing the film together. That'll probably just be Will and I as normal for our movie reviews, so we hope you enjoy that. And after you've seen it, let us know what you thought, and let's commiserate, okay? All right, nerds, have a good week.